Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Lord, we thank you so much for City Hope. God, we thank you for the incredible people, uh, first and foremost, that you put it on their heart to start this and to, to partner with the communities and the cities and the departments and the schools to make an impact. God, we understand that we're meeting a very natural need. God, that gives us an inroad to meet a very spiritual need. And so, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that this uh, ministry would continue to grow, continue to blossom, and continue to have maximum impact. Uh, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room that heard the snippet of it today. God, that if it's uh, your design and your desire for them to be a part of this, that they would go to those trainings, get trained up, and make an impact in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, grab your Bibles, if you would, and go to the book of Acts. Um, and uh, I'm not going to go a long time today because I've already sampled the uh, bacon on a stick. Come on, somebody. And let me just tell you, it's, it's amazing, and I'm ready for some more. And so, um, so we'll, we'll get into the Word today and uh, see what happens here, and then we'll get out. And if you want some notes, you can raise your hand in the air, and we got some paper notes for you if you'd like to do the paper version. Um, we also have the digital version on our app, which you can get the app by texting the word app to 858-943-2221. We're in the book of Acts because we're in a series entitled Revival. Um, Again, this is something that God put on our heart. Uh, If you haven't been here for the whole thing, it actually kind of started out as a joke uh, when we were kind of walking through the middle of of all that's happened over the last year and a half. Uh, One of our executive leadership team members, Miguel Rivera, if you don't know him, you need to because he's amazing and he's funny. Uh, But things would happen and he would just yell, Revival! It didn't matter what it was. I mean, we could see students picking up garbage for some reason. He would yell, revival! Um, it's something, honestly, something that wasn't so great could happen. And he would yell, revival! And so it kind of came this joke, but all of a sudden God used that to start to speak to me, um, that this is something God is doing. He's doing it in our church. He's doing it in his church. Um, I believe as we, we uh, you know, begin to rebuild post-COVID that we're going to see revival breaking out in local churches all across the world. I believe that. Um, listen to me. God is the master of seizing every opportunity, Okay. And uh, God knew COVID was going to happen. Um, God allowed COVID to happen, but God did not make COVID happen. But I'll tell you what God does. God is the master of seizing every opportunity and beginning to turn it for his good and his glory. And I believe that's what we're walking into today. I believe that's the hour in. I believe we're in an hour where people are looking for truth. They're looking for real news, not fake news. Come on, somebody. They're looking for something to grasp onto, something to hold on to, something that they can, they can rally behind and be a part of. And it's not going to be a political party. It's not going to be politics. It's going to be, come on, his kingdom come, his will be done. And I believe that people are looking for the truth, and I believe they're going to find it, and they're going to find it uh, because we are the light of the world. Amen? They're going to find it in the church. You are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a place. It's you. And uh, people are looking for light. People are looking for hope. People are looking for answers, and they're going to find it in you, the church. And therefore, what God is doing, God is reviving his people, right? When we're talking about revival, we're not talking about a big gathering or a big meeting. That's just the overflow of revival, Right? Are you with me today? Revival starts right here in the heart. Revival starts in us, and that's what we've been talking about. God is reviving us. Here's what we're talking about. It's a move of God in his people, in Christians, in Christ followers. Listen, revival doesn't start uh, when somebody that doesn't know him gives his heart to Jesus. That's a result of what's already taking place within revival. Revival starts in us. Revival starts when, when God moves upon his people, renewing their love for him and the things of him. What things are we talking about? A renewed love for his word. 
Amen? I don't know about you, but man, I have a renewed love for the Word of God like never before. And you say, well, that's a good thing. You're a pastor, right? Well, I believe it's not just happening for pastors. It's happening for believers. It's happening for us. Um, there might be a day where I, I, don't, I don't wake up late. My wife knows that. I'm usually up by 5, 5.30. Um, but sometimes, you know, I get in, in a rhythm of a day, and all of a sudden I, I realize, wait, I haven't read the Bible yet. And uh, maybe I'm heading to a meeting. You know, my first thing is I'm putting that Bible on audio, and I'm listening to that thing, man. I just, I'm, I'm going to bed listening to it, right? Like, I just want more of his word. It's a renewed love for his word. It's a renewed love for worship. Come on. I mean, worship was great today, wasn't it, when we get to do that corporately together? And literally, I looked up, and, um, and uh, we had a minimal band today, and I didn't even know it. How many of you guys realize that? Like, it sounded like we had a full band, and I look up, and there's somebody on, a, on acoustics, somebody on a bass, and somebody pounding those drums, right? Um, but man, just the presence of God. Danny hit it, man. The presence of God is here, and there's this renewed love for worshiping and worshiping with his people even, right? There's going to be a renewed love, even for those that don't like being around people. There's going to be a renewed love and a passion inside of you to want to be around the people of God. I believe that with all my heart. And so this is what's taking place. We've been talking about it. Next week, we're going to bring this series to a complete close for now. And you say, well, we haven't got through the whole book of Acts. I know. We'll do, we'll do Revival Part 2 another time. Uh, but we're going to bring it to a close next week, coming out of camp. We're going to have testimonies from young people. Come on, somebody. Uh, man, it's going to be a powerful time preaching the Word. So we'll close it out next week. But here we are, and we're in this, and we're talking about Revival and, uh, and we've been talking about some pretty big stuff, like this is what God's doing, and, and here's some of the results of revival. Um, but if you're like me, sometimes you can look at the big picture and not necessarily be overwhelmed by it, but look at it and say, how do I fit into that? Well, where, where's my part in this thing called revival? God, what are you doing in me? And then what God does in you, God always wants to do through you, which then raises a question, God, how can you do anything through me? Uh, anybody ever felt that way before? Like you're maybe not qualified to be a part of what God's doing. Maybe because of your past. Uh, maybe because of circumstances and situations. Maybe you don't feel trained up enough. Well, we have Bible classes happening this summer. Come on, somebody. Right? And so you can get more trained. But here's what you're going to discover the longer you become a Christian, the longer you're a Christian, is that, is that God does not just look for those that are qualified. God does not just look for those that are educated. God just calls whoever he wants to call and uses whomever he wants to use. And so I got great news for you. If you feel anything like your pastor at times, or you feel like, I don't, I don't feel called, or I don't feel good enough, or I don't feel qualified enough, or I don't, I don't know if I, I could be used by God or do anything significant for God, for God, I got good news for you. You can, because God is the one that does the choosing. Acts chapter 8, uh, we're going to start in there, going to read verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump to Acts chapter 9, read verses 1 through 15, and then we'll just jump right into it, have, have some fun today. Uh, what's taking place? Acts chapter 8, 1 through 3. Uh, if you missed last week, here's what's happened. Uh, revival is taking place. People are getting saved. Miracles are happening. People are getting added to the church daily, the Bible talks about. Um, man, so many incredible things are happening that the religious people that aren't necessarily giving themselves over to the movement of God and what God's doing are beginning to look with judgment and uh, beginning to look and actually bring persecution on those that are a part of the revival. Uh, because of that, some of the apostles get arrested for moments and uh, they begin to tell them, hey, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore and, and uh, all this stuff. And, and so they come out and you know what they do? They begin to preach more about Jesus. I mean, it's just this awesome thing that's taking place. 
Well, the church is experiencing revival so much so, and so many people are being added, that the apostles now realize, hey, we can't handle everything that's taking place. We need to add more leaders. And so they begin to add more ministry team to the church. And, uh, and as they add these ministry team members to the church, these ministry team members, the Bible says, now full of faith in the Holy Spirit, they begin to uh, do miracles as well. God begins to use them in miraculous ways. Now the religious people are really mad. How many know it's one thing when pastor gets up and does something, when all of a sudden, you know, Jim that just got saved gets up, people can sit there and be like, well, who's Jim think he is? Why does Jim get the mic? What makes Jim so special, you know? Oh, no, that's the other church he used to be a part of. Okay. Um, you know, you can get a little judgmental, a little critical, like, well, I, I've known Jim for a long time, and I know about Jim's past, and I can't believe the pastor would give him the mic, you know, and, and whatever. Well, there's judgment taking place, and so uh, there's this one guy that we talked about last week named Stephen, and uh, he, man, he begins to confront everybody with the truth. They don't like it, and uh, the, the Bible says they drag him out of the city and they kill him, okay? So that's where we're picking it up, Acts chapter 8. Yeah, you missed a good one last week. Verse one, it says, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. So here's this guy named Saul. He's a part of this religious group and he's standing by. Matter of fact, uh, if we were to go back, he was the one where they, they went and handed Saul their, their coats. Hey, can you hold on to this while we go kill this guy over here? He was like, sure. He completely agreed with what was taking place. It says this, and great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Uh, some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul, the one that was agreed with the killing, was going everywhere to destroy the church. Now highlight that in your mind. This is Saul going and he wants to destroy everything that's taking place. He wants to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Okay, you got the picture of this guy, Saul? Okay, um, this is a guy that, as a Christ follower, you don't want to be around. Are you with me? All right, let's go to chapter nine, uh, verse one. And it says this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats, this is the guy we just read about, with every breath, and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest, he requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, that's the church. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and uh, you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, when you get there, ask 
for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by, uh, by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Highlight that. He is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. I want to talk to you the next few moments about a chosen instrument. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, I pray, God, in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would just speak to each and every one of us. God, that you would encourage us. Uh, God, that we walk out of here, uh, Lord God, with some great insight. But more than that, we walk out of here with your presence, uh, knowing, Lord, that you're the one that does the choosing. So, God, I pray you'd help me now in the next few moments uh, to create an environment for people to discover your son, Jesus, know your incredible love, and understand the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You're my, my chosen instrument, my chosen instrument. The choosing process is so interesting to me, and um, I, I've, I've learned some things firsthand because I live in a home with three women, my wife and my two daughters. And now, I'll be honest with you, when they were little, I used to love it because I could pick any outfit in the closet, and it was the right outfit. Are you with me? When your kids are little, you just put them in whatever you want, and you tell them they look cute, and they are. But I'll never forget, and I don't remember how old they were. They weren't that old. Um, but I remember the first time when I'm picking out an outfit out of the closet for one of my daughters, and they're like, Daddy, I'm not wearing that. And that was the first moment I experienced my child talking back to me. Come on, somebody. I'm like, wait, no, this is cute. I'm not wearing that. And I'll, I'll never forget that first time letting them pick out their first outfit. Now, at that age, when they pick out their first outfit, how many of you guys know it's the ugliest thing on the planet? right? Because they don't pick out what's coordinated. They pick out what they love. And so the shoes they love does not match the dress they love, does not match the hair tie they love, right? Or the gloves when it's 100 degrees out. Why are they wearing those, right? But they, they get to this moment where they're choosing. Now, obviously, they're older now. And uh, here's the thing. As they're older, obviously, they pick things that coordinate. Uh, but here's one thing I've learned. It is a process. And if it's a big event, the process of what you're going to wear doesn't start the morning of, Guys, if you don't have women in the house, you don't know what I'm talking about. And it starts like, like days before. And here's another thing I've discovered. Going shopping with women is very difficult because they can't just buy the outfit that looks great. They got to hold on for a minute and make sure they have shoes that matches the outfit. Are you with me? And so then they're like, well, I can't buy that. Why? Because I don't have shoes that go with it, which is, which is code for I need new shoes. Come on, somebody. It's, it's brutal. It's like this, this choosing. But I, I've shared this before. To me, though, one of the most amusing things ever is actually the choosing, the choosing process in the supermarket. Like, like and, and here's where it's the best. It's not even when you're walking down the dried food section and all that or, or the canned section because it's canned. It's, it's in a box or whatever, right? It's when you go to the produce section, Right? And I'll never forget my first shopping experience. I don't remember how old I was, but when I got sent with that list to go to the produce section, I was nervous, 
And the reason I was nervous is because I didn't want to pick anything that wasn't ripe yet. And so you walk into the produce section, and it's so interesting because you walk in there, and it's the only part of the whole entire supermarket where people are squeezing, listening, and spanking items in order to find out what... Right? To whether, whether or not to find out it's ripe enough so that they can, they can eat it. Right? I mean, you walk through this section and you pick up the apple and if it has a bruise, what do you do? You don't get it. Right? I mean, how many of you guys are, are, are people that actually take a bite out of the apple and then put it back to make sure? Mm-hmm. I've seen those people. Right? But like when you go, and I just got blessed with a big bucket of avocados, excuse me, guacamoles. And I love them, um, but we're waiting for something to go. But when you go to the supermarket, what do you do? You pick up that, that avocado and you gently squeeze it, right? To make sure it's ripe, but not too ripe. You, you go, honestly, the best one, though, is the watermelon, because everybody has a way of picking out a watermelon, don't they? Some people are like, what you got to do is you got to look for that yellow belly and see where all, it's like, really? And then other people are like, you knock on it. Other people are, you shake it. Some people, my favorite, are the ones that spank the watermelon. <laughs> but when it's your first time in the supermarket, it's a little bit sketch. I'm not going to lie, right? But here's the thing. Why do we go through all of that? We go through all of that because we want to make sure that what we're bringing home is going to make this incredible meal. We want to make sure what we're bringing home, that when we put all of it together, man, it's, it's, it's ripe, it's edible, it's perfect, it's ready to be used, here in this passage, the Bible uses the word that Saul is a chosen instrument of God, which ought to tell us something right off the bat, that God took time, that God searched, that God looked, that God knew, hey, what I'm about to do, I need that one. What I'm about to do on the earth, and then this guy Saul, whose name becomes Paul, goes on to write the majority of the New Testament. God knew. He is a chosen instrument. Well, what is being said here of Paul? What do we mean by this word chosen? The, the, the Greek word is the, the word eklektos, which is actually where we get our word eclectic from. Here's the meaning of the word eclectic, and then we'll, we'll break it down a little bit further. The word eclectic is composed of elements drawn from various sources. It's chosen. Just like when you go to the, the supermarket, I'm choosing things from various sources because I'm gonna have this really good meal later. Well, this, this word chosen here is he's my chosen instrument that there's something going on. There's a makeup within Paul that says, man, this is the guy I need to do this job. There's various, various sources. It's selecting what appears to be the best in various doctrines, methods, and styles. In context, the, the, the word eklektos, the Greek, uh, the Greek word, means this. It means picked out from a larger group for a special purpose and privilege. So here it is. He's my chosen instrument. He's, he's picked out from amongst a larger group for a special purpose or, or privilege. Here's Ananias. He doesn't want to go. He's, he's kind of scared. He's like, wait a second. That's the guy that's persecuting the church. That's the guy that's literally okay with us being murdered, and you want me to go? Yeah, go, because he's my picked out from amongst a larger group of people for a special purpose and privilege. I'm going to use him to bring glory to my name to minister to my people. Go. This is the word 
that Paul now, blind, this is the word that Paul gets to embark on his ministry on. He gets to embark. This is the idea, the word. He gets to go back to this every time he's confronted with a challenge, every time he's confronted with an issue, every time he's confronted with doubt, every time he's confronted with fear, every time he's confronted with the idea, I don't know, am I good enough to be a part of what God is doing? He gets to go back to this word that says, wait a second, I'm eclectos. I'm, I'm chosen. I'm picked out. I, I didn't choose to be here. I didn't choose to be the minister. I didn't choose. No, no, no. He chose me. He picked me. And he gets to go back to this world. Well, here's the great news. This word, this idea chosen, gets picked up by the church, gets picked up by the rest of the apostles, gets picked up by those that are now traveling. And in 1 Peter 2.9, as Peter is writing to the church in Asia Minor, why is he writing to the church in Asia Minor? He's writing to them because they are scattered. They are fearful for their life. They're doubting their calling. They're doubting whether or not God wants to do something in and through them. They're, some of them are literally in hiding. But Peter now takes this same word, chosen, and begins to bring it to not a single individual, but begins to bring it collectively to the church. And this is what it says. It says, but you are a chosen, an eclectos, an eclectic. You are a chosen generation. Now listen to me. Where, where Paul got a word directly from God through Ananias that says, hey, he's my chosen instrument. This same word now is being used by those that are out ministering, saying, hey, it's not just about the individual, it's about the corporate, it's about what God's doing through his church, and the church needs to know they're chosen. And so now this letter that goes, it's not, to, in 1 Peter, it's not to one person, it's to all of those who call upon the name of the Lord. It's to a whole church that says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is so powerful because anytime God chooses, he chooses for a purpose. And the purpose isn't about you. The purpose is always about him. The purpose is to bring glory to his name. The purpose is to be used by him to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And here it is right here. You're chosen. You're eclectos. You guys, you church, you're picked out from amongst a larger group of people for a special purpose and privilege. Here's the church in Asia Minor now hearing the same message that sent Saul or Paul on his ministry trip saying, hey, I want to send you all, whether you're a barista, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a truck driver, whatever you do, church, I want to send you all as chosen instruments into what I'm doing, into the revival I have planned. That same word that Paul gets to start his ministry on, you and I, are you with me? get to start our ministry on. So I, I'm, I'm not in ministry. You are. If you're a Christian, you're a Christ follower, come on. If you're a teacher at a school, guess what? You're a minister. And that same word, 
chosen is being spoken over you. But much like Paul had to go through his doubts, much like the church in Asia Minor that Peter ministered to had to go through their doubts, you and I, right, walk through ours. Why, why do we walk through doubts? Well, because we, we know our past. Like, like, like even yesterday, come on somebody. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh yeah, my past. Some of you are like, oh my yesterday. Some of you know your trip here to church, right? You know, right? And, and the things we know about ourselves, sometimes we feel like disqualify us. Or maybe we don't, well, I've only, I've only been a Christian for a few months. Well, <laughs> Paul's conversion was, and then three days later. Yeah, he got some training. And so we doubt and we wonder, could God use me? Could God use me in that way? And what we need to do is we need to go back to the same word that Paul could go back to. And we need to remember we're chosen. What, why? Why? Let me just share it with you real quick. Why I believe this picked out word, this, this chosen, this eclectos, this is what it's done for me. Um, let me just give you a few, few thoughts here. Number one, um, knowing I'm chosen gives me security. Gives me security, right? I mean, think about it. Paul, of all people, God could have chose anybody. But he chooses one of the greatest persecutors of the church and uses that same energy and that same passion and flips it to help build the church. I mean, if, and Paul actually writes about this about his own life. He's like, I'm the least of the least. I don't feel qualified to do any of this. He actually writes about it. Like, here's the thing. Knowing we're chosen, listen, knowing we're chosen by the God of the universe ought to give us some security. The fact that I didn't choose this, but God chose me for this, that ought to give me a sense of, of ownership, a sense of like, Man, value, a sense of like, okay, God must see something in me that he wants to use for this moment in the church. Listen, he could have placed your life in any spectrum of time he, he wanted to. But he chose for right now, this moment, what our culture's going through, what our world's going through. He positioned you as that businessman, as that teacher, as that barista, as that mom, as that dad, as that parent. Are you with me? He positioned you. He's the one that placed you there. Why? He chose you for this hour because you have what it needs. You have what this world needs. You have what this culture needs. You have the answer. Are you with me today? He chose you. That ought to give you a sense of security. Man, okay, I can be secure in this. I can be secure in this. I mean, here's the thing. When you're secure in the fact that God called you, you think different, you talk different, you walk different, you act different. You ever seen somebody that's kind of unsure about themselves? Their posture's different. Shoulders maybe down the head kind of hanging. Won't, won't, won't look at you in the eye. Kind of uncertain. That's not the church. No, the church gets to walk. Not prideful, not arrogant. Confident. Bold. In humility, knowing who they are by the grace of God. That's the church. I mean, it reminds me of my days on the playground. Anybody remember the days of the playground? Back, come on, come on, somebody. Back when they had what was called recess. 
Like a, 40, like a 45 minute recess was like God's gift to children. Come on, somebody. And how many of you guys think they should just bring that back to every job place? Like, like let's be honest, like you, you, you kind of just like gritted through school so you could get to recess. Like it was the most epic, like when you came home, what'd you, what, what, what was the best part of the day? Recess. No, but what did you learn? How to kick a ball. No, but what did you learn in school? How to run bases. Are they teaching you anything? Yeah, right? But how about that choosing process in that 45-minute, you know, period of time? Come on, anybody remember Foursquare? Okay, it was Foursquare or kickball, and you used the same ball for both. Come on, somebody. That rubber ball, when you kicked it, it just... Man, but right before you can play that game, you've, you've got to do what? you got to pick teams, right? you got to pick teams. And you'd always, you always get two captains, and it's usually the two studs, so I was always one of them. <laughs> that actually wasn't a joke. <laughs> Whatever. All right, and so you have the two captains, and, and they, they begin to what? They begin to choose their team. And, and here's, what, here's what you see. The first kid that's chosen, <laughs> Billy, and Billy just walked with his chest out. Y'all remember that? Next person to do, because we're, we're equal opportunity here. Susie gets picked. She's like, right? She just walks over there, just like head up, like, yeah, I got this, right? But as the choosing begins to wind down, how many can look back right now and remember those kids that didn't get chosen till last? All of a sudden, they begin to fake injuries. Yeah, I, I can't go anyway. I'm good. Don't, don't pick me. Limp over to the side. Why, why is that? Because there's something about being picked. It gives you a sense of security. It gives you a sense of, a, of assurance. Listen to this. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me. This is Jesus talking. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go here it is again, out and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain. So whatever you ask the Father in my name will be given to you. Paul was secure. Paul was secure. Uh, now listen to this one, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I am who I am by the grace of God. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. I am who I am by the grace of God. If uh, you were, if you, over the last, you know, 18 months, 24 months, if you led in any capacity, whether, uh, whether it's in a, a ministry, whether it's in a church, whether it's a business, uh, maybe you're managing oversaw teams, um, man, over the last 18 months, everything you did got questioned. Yes, I'm speaking from experience. I don't think I've ever gotten so many emails before in my life. Like, it didn't matter what it was. Why wasn't so-and-so wearing a mask? Why was so-and-so wearing a mask? Why is the church open? Why is the church not open? Why are we singing? Why are we not singing? Why are we not doing more with the race stuff? Why are we doing too much with the race stuff? Like, literally, I'm like, you schizophrenic people. <laughs> now I know what Moses felt like leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. 
If you don't know the story, one day he wants them all to be dead, and God's like, no, 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 spare him. And then the next day, God wants him dead, and Moses is like, no, 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 spare him. I was like, I get it now, Moses. I was like, and, and, and here's, here's, here's the voice of my spiritual father and uh, my pastor, Tony. He said, Ben, are you the pastor of that church? I said, yes. He said, did you choose to be the pastor of that church? I said, no. He said, you're right, God called you. And in that moment, I just said, you know what, I'm chosen. God knew I would lead through this moment. God knew I would lead through this pandemic. And there was a point where I just said, this is what we're doing, and we're moving forward. And here we are today. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me as your pastor. Thank you for trusting the leadership of this church. Thank you for being here, all of you online. Thank you for sticking this journey out with us. And I believe the best is yet to come. Gives us security. Lastly, worship team, you can come. I told you I wasn't going to go long. Look at that, 11.10. You don't know this, but we have a service program. And the service program hands me ending at 11.15. So I'm going to take the last five minutes. <laughs> Number two, uh, it gives me purpose. Knowing I'm chosen not only gives me a sense of security, gives me purpose, right? Like, like, like choosing the, the right options in the supermarket. It's a purpose. It's not like I'm just going to get it and set it on the counter to rot, although that does happen sometimes. It's not like I'm just buying this stuff, like, oh, I should get some of that, and then just let it sit there. No, I'm buying that with something in mind. I'm choosing that because I know what's going to happen with it later. When God chooses, it ought to give you a sense of purpose, God did not choose you to be a part of the church just so he could set you on a shelf. God did not choose you to be a part of his kingdom right now in this era, in this time, in that family, at that job place, in that community, in that housing development, so you could just sit on the shelf. He chose you because he has a purpose. And his purpose is this, that you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But Pastor, that sounds like such a big job. No, it happens with the way you live your life. It happens with the way you deal with conflict. It happens with the way you handle your, 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 your decisions in your business. People look and say, well, what's going on there? You're proclaiming. Knowing I'm chosen not only gives me security, knowing I'm chosen gives me, gives me purpose. It's like going to a job and there's hundreds of applicants. Why, 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 why was yours chosen? Because there was something in there that qualified you for the position. And God says, I qualify you for what I'm calling you to do. And I've positioned you at Canvas Church. I've positioned you in your home. I've positioned you in your job place because I have a purpose for you. And I've picked you out. I could have put anybody in that job. Listen, God could have put anybody in this this pastor's position. God could have put anybody in the position you're at, at the school you're at. God could have given somebody else the scholarship that you got, but God says, no, I'm gonna give it to you because I want you there for this moment, for this time, for this reason. So when you begin to look through the lens, the fact that I'm chosen, it begins to change everything. It gives me security and it gives me purpose to bring glory 
to his name. I don't, I don't know what insecurities you have today. I don't know what doubts you have today. I don't know what your past looks like. But listen to me, your past can't be as bad as Paul's. And so today, I want to encourage you, but more than that, I want to, I want to get inside your spirit. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. God is calling you to step up and to rise up and to be a part of the revival. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. God, your word is awesome. Lord, I thank you for every young person in this place. I thank you for every middle-aged person in this place. I thank you for every uh, older person in this place. God, I thank you that you truly are building your church in which the gates of hell cannot prevail against. God, you and you alone are building your church globally. God, you're building your church corporately. But God, I believe you're building your church locally. God, I believe that you're building Canvas Church. And I believe that everyone that's here today is here by design. Everyone that's here today is here by purpose. Everyone that's here today is here because you said, no, 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 I'm positioning you. I'm calling you to be a part of the revival that 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 I'm birthing, that I'm bringing, that I'm doing. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I pray today, God, that we would break free. Lord, God, from every lie of the enemy, we would break free from the pain of our past. God, we'd break free from the accuser of the enemy that lies to us and says that we're not good enough, we're not equipped enough, we're not qualified enough. But I pray, Lord, that we would hear the same word that you spoke over a guy named Saul who later became Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that says you're chosen. God, I pray we'd hear the same word that Peter penned to the church in Asia that said, church, you're chosen, you're called, you're established, you're set apart, you're picked out from a larger group for a special purpose and privilege. And God, we would rise up today, God, with courage and with boldness and with hope, and we would seize the moment and we would live for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.